This is my Bible. This is my Bible. It is the word of truth. It is the word of truth. I am. I am. What it says I am. What it says I am. I can do. I can do. What it says I can. What it says I can. I am a believer. I'm a believer. And not a doubter. And not a doubter. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. And not just a hearer. And not just a hearer. I am humble before the Lord. I'm humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I'm mature in the Lord. I'm a tour in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. Yes. I know that. I know that. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by? And hearing by. The Word of God. The Word of God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Says she's enthusiastic about the Lord. And if you don't notice, man, she was holding that Bible and she was ready to do something with it. Uh. So thank you, Michaela, uh, for the statement of faith. If you would, bow your heads with me as we go to prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, as I decrease and you increase within me, oh, Father, help me to remember what you have gave me to speak to feed your people, that they can be better at the end, because they should know that they are victorious when they have you within them. And so we thank you for your Holy Spirit let it move in a mighty way today, setting your peoples free, making them strong, and helping them to have hope in this time. We ask all these things in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Again, uh, please turn with me to Philippians, the second chapter. Uh, we're going to start in verse uh, 2. I mean, sorry, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. Again, Philippians the second chapter, verse 1 through 5. And the word of God says this, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and any in mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Verse 5 says, let, them, let this mind be in, which, in, in you which was also in Christ. You may be seated. First, uh, I'd like to give thanks to Pastor for giving me the opportunity to stand before you this morning. I don't take it lightly, so Pastor, appreciate the opportunity. Also, like to thank my sons, uh, Robert, uh, Josh and Dre, and my lovely daughter Trinity as she continued to pray uh, for me when I'm getting ready to prepare a sermon. And for my mother-in-law for always standing in the gap when I can't get off work and have to pick up Trinity, she's always a phone call away. Do you know you need some people in your life that is just a phone call away? That they'll drop everything that they're doing to help you out. And last but not least, you know it's getting Thanksgiving time, and 
And you know I like pecan pie, and I always say Adrian is my pecan and my pecan pie. So, so hopefully this Thanksgiving I get some pecan pie. <laughs> but either way, uh, and also thank all the leaders and the ministers in their respected place, and for you all, for God to touch your heart to be present today, whether you're here or online. And so many of you probably looking at my title up there, and I will let that stay there for a while And as you think about uh, what I'm getting ready to say. But uh, the purpose of the Philippians, you know, Paul was in prison. He was in, in, in a prison in Rome when he wrote the book of Philippians. Paul was acknowledging the church of Philippi for a gift that had, they had sent him. You know, back then when you was in jail or uh, incarcerated, your, your family or, or others had to provide for you. And so Paul was writing to them and saying thank you. But he uses this opportunity to encourage them to remain true to God and to be joyful in every situation. Now that's something real there. When you're in pain, you need to be joyful. When you are depressed and, and people don't line up the way you see things, you are to be joyful in every situation. He, he emphasized the theme of rejoicing during times of suffering. Paul gave Christ's own example of humility. Paul described Jesus Christ as one willing to be humble in obedience to God the Father. For this, God will be exalted. God would exalt Jesus' name above all others. And someday, one way or another, all people will admit that Jesus Christ is Lord and submit to him. See, see Paul wants the Philippians believers to live with contentment and to live with unity and live without complaining. Now that's hard. That is hard. To live without complaining. But it's doable. It's doable. Believers were to look out for the interests of others as well as their own. So, so this involves taking on a humble attitude of Christ. Paul also emphasizes to the believers as light in a world of darkness. Many of you know the contrast between light and darkness. You know, light uncovers the truth. Light provides a sense of security. Light provides a sense of safety. Vice versa, darkness. Darkness is considered to provide danger, provide insecure, and it hides the truth. So I'm here today with the phrase, what would Jesus do? WWJD, what would Jesus do? It became popular, particularly in the United States in the early 1900s. And it came popular after Charles Sheldon entitled, uh, wrote a book entitled, In His Steps, with a caveat, what would Jesus do? And, and, and a young youth minister in Michigan 
read that book, and she caught on to it. And so she had about 300 bracelets made with the letters WWJD, what would Jesus do? And she had a group of students that she was teaching. And so she made about 300, and she distributed those bracelets to them. And the students took those bracelets, and they distributed them out to their friends and their families. And they thought it was a fun ideal at the time. And it was. And it also was an easy way for them to witness about their faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And it's always a way that they used it also to check themselves. Before they made a decision, they would say, what would Jesus do? See, there was a period of several years where everybody was wearing WWJD. You can even see it today in some of the bumpers on the back of the cars. You can see that, those letters, WWJD. What would Jesus do? Some even wore hats that had it. You had children walking around with bracelets. You had school kids. You had parents. You had grandparents. Everyone was part of that movement. You even had career-minded people that was doing that. You had professional athletes wearing WWJD. And for some, the spiritual meaning was lost on a lot of people who wore those bracelets. They became more of a fashion statement than a statement of faith. See, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus condemns the Pharisees for their desire to obey the law, only to be seen of men. Rather than truly obeying God's law for the purpose of serving others and becoming better people, Jesus said, they do all their deeds to be seen by others. And I hope that the Christian that was wearing the WWJD was not just doing that to be seen as men. Hopefully they was doing it as a statement of faith. I, I, I don't know for sure, but I believe there was a lot of bad choices made by those that wore the bracelet. And so the bracelet didn't stop them from making bad decisions. But also I believe that there was times where the bracelet may have helped someone make the right decision to do some godly things in their lives. So with all the education, with all the training, and with all the conversation that we have encountered over the years and throughout the years, we should know by now what would Jesus do. We should know by now what would Jesus do in a particular situation. We should know by now what Jesus' choice would be. We should know by now what Jesus' decision would be. We should know by now what Jesus' reaction to a particular situation would be. We should know that because of the education and the training and the relationship and the knowledge and the knowing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you have a relationship with him, you should know what Jesus would do in a situation. Congregation, it's time for you to get off the milk 
and get on to some solid food today. So I'm here to ask you, what will you do? That question mark up there is, put your name there, Major. Put your name there, Fabian. What would Fabian do? What would Robert do? That is what God is asking for you today. With the things that you have been educated on, you need to move from being educated to move to be showing some action in your life. So what will you do? Striving, Perfection Ministry celebrated 26 years this month. Celebrated 26 years this month. You know, that is over 1,300 Sundays that pastor or someone have got up here and gave a word from God. That is over 1,300 Wednesdays that someone had taught Bible study for you to get the word of God. From Genesis to Revelations, from Revelations back to Genesis, you have been fed the word of God. And we know that pastor probably taught over a thousand of those Sundays. And so you have been educated. And so that is over 2,600 days we have been educated on Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That is over 4,000 hours we have been educated on Peter, Paul, Timothy, Mary, Martha, Esther. We have been educated. That is over 240,000 minutes we have been educated on Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Now it is time for you to move from what would Jesus do to what will you do. When your back is against the wall, what will you do? When your kids are acting up, what will you do? When someone talks about you, what will you do? What will you do? See, we should be now have and show the characteristics and the attributes of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We should have those things deep down inside of us. And it should help us to go through. It should help us to go through with our heads held up high. It should help us to go through with our shoulders upright. It should help us to go through with our feet firmly planted. That's what it should do. So what are some of those attributes and characteristics of Jesus that, would, that we should have deep down inside of us to get us through life today? Is it love that we should have in us? Is it trustworthy we should have within us? Is it grace we should have? Is it compassion? What about forgiveness? That's a hard one there. Forgiveness. 
being honest with one another, being obedient, and having patience. That one I work on every day when I sit down with Trinity and help her with her homework. When she don't understand what two times two is sometimes, I get a little impatient. I'm probably not the only one. If you have kids, you probably understand where I'm coming from. Those things we should have deep down inside of us today. And so we don't need to say what would Jesus do. We just need to recall those things that have been planted inside of you, letting you know what you should be doing. See, in Hebrews it states, I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their mind. So love should be in your heart. Honesty should be in your mind. Those things will help you in today's. You know, what would Jesus do was a great movement, okay? I'm not going to dispel that. It was a great movement. It's still a great movement. You know, a great movement have excitement. A great movement have power. A great movement inspires. A great movement have clarity in its purpose. A great movement has a clear goal for you to follow. By Webster Dictionary, movement is a tendency or a trend. I like this definition here the most. It's in a series of organized activities working towards an objective. So in its plainest form, a movement is a group of peoples working together for a common social, political, or cultural goal. Movement can focus on opportunity for change or even a promotion of a theory or a concept. Whatever the focus, all movements require one key element to be transformed from an ideal of few to an ideal of many. One key element a movement is required to have, and that is people. A movement cannot take place unless someone, as in you and I, is part of that movement. That is the key element. So following Jesus as Christians, we are here on earth to create a movement of disciples making disciples. We are here on earth to create a movement of disciples making disciples. What does that mean? How can one live that out? From the beginning of time. God intended for the church to be a movement. God intended the church to be a movement, a movement from person to person, a, a, a movement from family to family, a, a movement from household to household, a movement from community to community, a movement from state to state, 
a movement from nation to nation. That's what God's purpose was for the gospel to be spread. So the movement need to reach areas. It needs to reach areas of brokenness. It, it, it needs to reach areas of despair. It needs to reach areas of people that have lost hope. It needs to reach those areas. It even needs to reach the areas that, where people have gave up. It needs to reach areas where people feel like they're put to the side. That the water system is not where it needs to be. The movement needs to reach people that is considered obsolete. Have you ever been considered your word obsolete? It doesn't matter anymore. So the movement needs to reach the unjust treatment. You know, we go up to the prison on the third Sunday, and uh, Minister Greer went up there last Sunday. The gospel needs to reach in the jails, in the prison. So the movement just can't be within you. It's for you to go out and share the gospel. So why we need the movement to reach those areas? We need it to reach those areas to bring God's healing, to bring God's love, to bring God's hope, and to bring God's peace in those situations. See, Jesus came to bring life and to give life to a dying world. God wants us to be victorious. He wants you, Major, to be victorious. He wants us to be victorious in all that we do for him. So my objective is simple this morning. It's for us, for you, for me, to move on the education that we have received. From what would Jesus do to what will you do for the movement? Yeah. That's what my objective is, for you to understand that you have to make a move. You have to do some actions for the gospel to be spread. You know, one of the major figures in the Old Testament is Moses. You know, Moses exemplified how God can use anyone, no matter how weak or insignificant they may seem, to accomplish his purpose. See, see, God wanted Moses to rescue the Israelites from Egypt. But you know Moses, Moses was afraid. He made excuses after excuses and after excuses. That probably sounds like some of us today. <laughs> Moses all, all what also went as far as saying, hey, you know what? You can send my brother in my place. That's just like me saying, okay, well, hey, hey, God, you can send Fabian in my place. 
Moses went that far. But you know, after many conversations with God, Moses stepped up. He stepped up to the challenge and executed the movement by leading the Israelites out of Egypt. So please turn with me to Exodus, the 14th chapter. Exodus, the 14th chapter. We're going to start around verse 25. Exodus, the 14th chapter, 25. So let me set this up for you. After having lived in the land of Egypt for over 430 years, the Israelites began their journey to the promised land. With Moses as their guide, the Lord led them through the wilderness with a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. As they neared the Red Sea, Pharaoh, Pharaoh's army came in pursuit. And when he did, the Lord sent a strong, I'm sorry, in pursuit, and God told Moses to stretch his hand over the sea. And when Moses did, the Lord sent a strong wind to divide it. The people of Israel crossed on dry ground, but the Egyptians following them were drowned as the sea returned to its place. And now in Exodus, the 14th chapter, verse 25, it states this. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the land of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptian dead on the sea shore. See here, though Moses was in turn weak, some would say ungrateful, he was impatient, and, and, and we all know his story, but we here see that our Lord and Savior uses imperfect peoples to accomplish his perfect purpose. M Moses was hesitant to answer Jesus. Many of you today is hesitant to answer Jesus. See, see, God's call because he felt inadequate and, 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 and Moses felt that his voice and how he speak would not represent Jesus in the right way. Some of you are dealing with some past experiences and believe that your past experience cannot represent Jesus in the right way. See, Moses was a killer. He was a murderer. He had an anger problem. If God can use Moses, who was a murderer, who had some speaking problems, who, who had doubt, who had questions, I believe he can use you today. He can use you today. So yet, in God's strength, Moses led the entire nation of Israel out of their captivity in Egypt. Uh, Moses provided for them counsel. Moses led them in, in several battles and won them. He helped them to obey the Lord's commands. Not only did the Lord equip him with the skills he needed, 
If you need something, God will provide that to you. And he provided that to Moses. And so he led them out of Egypt. And he did something miraculous with Moses. He revealed himself to Moses. Moses had a personal experience with God. So what will you do? Moses overcame slow speak and anger. Moses' example reminds us that no matter how fallible we are, our God Almighty is able and willing. You need to be that willing vessel for him to use. In 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, it states, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power made perfect in weakness. Some of you may be weak today. Look to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He will give you the power to move forward. So I'm here this morning to let someone know that God can use your weakness. He can use your imperfect ways. He can use your brokenness, your deficiencies, your inferior thinking, your support, your substandard actions, and your bad attitude. He can use that for his purpose. So what will you do? What will you do when doubt seeks in your mind? Nearly all believers, if they are honest, have moments of doubt similar to Peter. Doubt moments can last a minute, can last hours, can last days, and some can last years. Doubt is the symptom of an unbelieving heart. And if left alone, doubt can choke your faith in Christ. If left unattended, it can choke your relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what will you do when doubt seek in? What will you do? You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. When you have God in your heart, in your soul, and in your mind, you are able to get past the doubt. So Jesus called Peter to walk on water. So turn with me to Matthew, the 14th chapter, verse 31. Matthew, the 14th chapter, verse 31. Here, the disciples was out on a boat in a lake, and there were some pretty big winds and waves coming up. 
suddenly in the middle of the night, they saw someone walking over the water to them. They were pretty scared at first, and, 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 and by then the person called out. And it was Jesus. And he told them not to worry. And you know Peter, you know, Peter sometimes acted without thinking. You know, some of us do that today and, and want God and Jesus to be right there with us when we then put our foot in our mouth. So Peter asked, can I come out on the water? And Jesus invited Peter out. So he, he helped, so he stepped out of the boat and began to walk over the waves. See, it must have suddenly occurred to Peter that this should not, have, should not be happening because he quickly looked down and started to panic. And he began to sink. And he called out to Jesus, save me. So now we find ourselves in verse 31 of Matthew, the 14th chapter. And the word of God says this. And immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? We know that doubt causes you to feel insecure. It makes you feel uncertain. It makes you to hesitate sometimes. It makes you to be wavering on certain situations in your life. It makes you to lose confidence in yourself. Doubt can even cause confusion and a dilemma in your life. So this reminds me in Jude where Jesus brought a statement saying, have mercy on those who doubt. Have mercy on those who doubt. We all gonna have some type of doubt. You know, in the New Testament, uses a number of different Greek words for doubt. Because we need to understand that not all doubts is the same. And not all doubters are the same. Therefore, mercy towards doubters doesn't always look the same. In some cases, you're going to have to use patience with some doubters. And in other cases, you're going to have to be compassionate with them. Some you're going to have to encourage them from that doubting way. In some cases you're going to have to build them up. In other cases you might have to rebuke them. That way we see a range of responses from Jesus towards those who doubted. See we need to understand that it is God's power that allows us to do any and everything in our lives. See, Peter started to sink when he took his eyes off Jesus. 
and he started to doubt. In our lives, we start to sink spiritually. If we put our trust in ourselves and begin to doubt. If we think we can do things on our own, we will fail. But when we fix our eyes on Jesus, we can know without a shadow of a doubt that we are safe, that we are protected, that he will provide for us. See, we need to make sure that we build on that relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to make sure that we have a relationship by continuing to pray and continue to read the Bible. Come to church, whether you're watching online or here in person. And always remember that God is near. God's words say he will never leave you, nor forsake you. So whatever step that you take, he is right beside you. So we got to understand that we have power to capture doubt. We have power to capture doubt. In 2 Corinthians 10 and 5, it states, bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So we need to understand, take your thoughts of doubt captive by gaining control over what you think about yourself and what you think about life. Remember, what you put in your mind has an effect on what will you do. You need to put in your mind that you are highly favored, that you are wonderfully made, that you are a child of God, that you are a child of the Most High, that you are above and not beneath. So let's go back to our scripture text this morning. This verse consists of four main ideals stemming from the phrases, so if there is. Then verse two will explain the expected results of these ideals. See, see, Paul's purpose in using these phrases is to emphasize how natural the conclusion should be in our lives. Of course, we need to understand there is encouragement on the way, that there is comfort on the way, that we need affection and so forth in our lives. If these are obvious, then the results of unity, love, and cooperation should be just as obvious. Again, in Philippians, the second chapter, verse 1 through 5, it reads as this. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy... Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being on one accord of one mind. 
Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves, himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also the interest for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Church, we are never an island unto ourselves. We are part of a whole, a member of Christ's body. If we are part of a loving community, when others hurt, we hurt. When we hurt, others hurt. We have a responsibility to learn to live out our faith. As we grow, we move beyond a self-centered focus and learn to be available to others. As we learn to love, they will learn to love us. As we connect with others, we develop a mutual accountable relationship that help the entire body, not just you, but the entire body of Christ. See, Paul set Jesus Christ up as the ideal role model for us to live an example of a humility life. Our thoughts, our attitudes, our actions are to become more and more like those exhibit, exhibit by Christ. His willingness to humble himself is a great example for us as we reflect honestly on our lives. We can be humble enough to admit our faults. And when we do, that will begin a change in our habits. If we can follow Jesus Christ in humility, learning to admit our failures without hesitation. We can look forward, forward to spiritual growth in our lives. So what will you do? For us to obtain spiritual growth, we must shake some things off in our lives. We must forget about some past hurt in our lives. We must step up to the plate of what God is calling us to do today. When life throws you into an unexpected situation, you have the option. You have the option to let it get you down, or you have the option to shake it off and step up. You know, recently, one of my lieutenants at, at work was talking about this parable of the farmer, farmer and his donkey. And I heard that parable a long time ago. And so I think it's fitting right now that I share that with you. Many of you may have already heard that, and some of you may have not. But I want to share that with you. Because some of you are going through some things in life 
where people are throwing some things on you. And you holding those things and you carrying those things around each and every day. And so the parable goes like this. One day a farmer's donkey fell down into a well. The animal cried for hours as the farmer tried to figure out what to do. Finally, he decided the animal was old and he and the well needed to be covered up anyway. It just wasn't worth it to retrieve the donkey anymore because the farmer thought it was worthless and it was old. So he went out and, and got his neighbors and, and invited them and instructed them to bring their shovel to help him cover up the donkey. And so they all grabbed a shovel and, and they began to shovel dirt into the well. And as they were shoveling dirt into the well, the donkey began to cry louder and louder. And they continued to shovel dirt onto the donkey. And the donkey realized what was actually happening. And so had the farmers and his neighbors continued to do it, the donkey got quiet. And all of a sudden, the farmer looked over. And he saw some amazing things that the donkey was doing. With every shovel of dirt that hit the donkey's back. The donkey was doing something amazing. He would shake it off and take a step up. As the farmer's neighbors continued to shovel the dirt on top of the animal, the donkey kept shaking it off and taking a step up. So pretty soon everyone was amazed as the donkey stepped up over the edge of the well and trouted off into freedom. Life is going to shovel some problems on you. I mean all kinds of problems. Problems you didn't even ask for. The technique to getting out of the well is to shake it off and take a step up. Each of our troubles is a stepping stone to bring and to help you to be an overcomer. We can get out of the deepest well just by not stopping, never giving up, shaking it off, and taking a step up. When you think life has dealt you the most difficult hand, shake it off and step up. When your kids feel like they own the world and have tested 
and got on your last nerve, shake it off and step up. When someone is talking about you behind your back, saying you're not worthy of that promotion, shake it off and step up. When someone is not treating you with respect, shake it off and step up. Life is not fair. But with Jesus on your side, you have favor. Our pastor had been talking about privilege. You are privileged when you follow our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So no matter where you find yourself at, no matter who is saying that you're not worthy, no matter if you think that you can't speak like you should and want to speak, shake it off and step up. Shake it off and step up. Our Lord is on your side. You should be able to step up towards where he's at. God is calling for you today. So what will you do? So I'm asking for you to shake it off and step up. When you feel like others are dumping dirt on you, use it for your advantage. Find a way. Be determined to overcome adversity in your life. So what will you do? You know, being a flight chief, I get to see a lot of things that goes on. I'm part of that process of recommending certain discipline to our military members. And, and it's hard to see that where a member got themselves into by making the wrong decision by making wrong choices. And I always try to encourage them that that experience that got them in trouble does not define their future. So some of you have been holding on to your past. And you've been letting your past define your future. God is asking you today to shake those things off and step up to what he wants you to be so that you can be an example and spread the word of God. Spread the word of God from person to person, from family to family, from neighborhood to neighborhood, from state to state, and from nation to nation. So what will you do? Give God a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, you are awesome in all your ways. So I thank you for allowing us to shake it off 
and step towards you. So if you will bow your heads with me. I have four appeals. Some of you are in a headwind this morning. Wind is, is blowing directly at you. And you letting that wind stop you from becoming closer to the one that can help you lean forward and press your way through. If you don't have a relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to help you in life to shake some things off, if that is you and you want to have that relationship, please signify by raising your hand. And if you're online, please call the number that is in front of you. My second appeal is if you're in need of a church home, a pastor would love to have you. Like I said before, 26 years, pastor has been speaking the word of God. From the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation. If you are in need of a church home that will help you to shake some things off in your life, to make your life better, please call the number in front of you or signify by raising your hand if you're in need of a church home. And if you want to get closer and, and have a intimate and true relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with evidence of speaking in tongues, if that is you, please signify by raising your hand. In the last, I'm asking everyone to stand if you're able to stand. Because I truly believe that we all have something that we can shake off. I truly believe that we have something that we can step up to. And so I want to pray for all of us. Oh, Heavenly Father, you have been awesome in all your ways. From the beginning of time, You have put a perfect purpose in motion. So, Father, help us through the education that we get each and every Sunday and Wednesday and as we read our Bible throughout the week to move towards that purpose that you have for our lives. And if, if there's anything that is holding us back, oh, Father, from that journey, I ask that you remove it now in the name of Jesus. Remove any obstacles in our way. Father God, we don't want to come up short. Father God, we want to be batting a thousand percent today. And we can only do that because of who you are 
in our lives. So, Father God, if there are bitterness in our heart, remove now. If there is unforgiveness in our heart, remove it now. If it's envy in our heart, remove now, Father. Father God, we thank you for all that you have done in our lives. And as we continue to shake things off our back and take a step up, we give you all the praise, honor, and glory that is due your name. And we ask all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen, 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 and amen. Hallelujah. Amen.